Oh, let's get it. Monday, February 7th, 2022. Born the Battle, brought to you by the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, the podcast that focuses on inspiring veteran stories and puts a highlight on important resources, offices, and benefits for our veterans. I'm your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. However, you listen to Born the Battle, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Facebook, as we're being distributed on the Department of Veterans Affairs Facebook now. The player inside the blog on blogs.va.gov. Hope you're having a good week outside of podcast land. Thanks to you, January of 2022 was the most downloaded month for Born the Battle. Appreciate those that have been with us for a while. Thank you for helping get the word out. And if you're new to our show, welcome. Whether it's VA News, our interviews, or our Veterans of the Week stories, Hope you get something out of our time together. So I wanted to share a recent experience I had with VA Healthcare. Uh, About a month ago, I went down to the ER down in Richmond. I was having a bad reaction to a medication that was prescribed to me, and I needed it changed as quickly as possible. A day or two prior, I messaged my primary care provider and got no response, but I needed it changed now. Uh, The ER got it changed, no problem. But while I was in the ER, my primary care provider called me to make sure that everything was was okay. Uh, They must get an an alert or something. I don't know. Uh, I told her of my reactions to the medication and I was going to try a new prescription. Uh, I had one already planned out that I wanted to try. Again, take care of your own health. Nobody cares more about you than yourself. Uh, And that even goes into healthcare. This was all during my ER visit. She, She worked with the ER doctor. And after I left, she gave me a call to follow up with a plan moving forward. Now, I dare you to find that level of care within another healthcare group. Uh, My takeaway from that experience was that I was very impressed and I actually felt very cared for. And this is from a guy that has had mixed results with VA healthcare going back all the way to the first time I got out. So much appreciated, much appreciation to the team that took care of me that day. One review came in for Born the Battle from our friend up north in Canada. Review came in from Canamiggy. Says five stars. V8 tells it all. Sure glad I found this podcast as it is very interesting and worthwhile listening to. The host is a good interviewer and listening at the American Legion Convention. And this is a very interesting podcast. I wish you could let us, I wish you can let us living in Canada and other countries know how we can access better access the VA. You know, Canamiggy, uh, for one, it's good to hear from you again. And you're right. There are many expats, uh, not only out your way, but there's a lot of expats in some Southeast Asian countries, Philippines and whatnot. That would be a good benefits breakdown, how to access the VA internationally. I will put that down on the list as benefits breakdowns to pursue. If you haven't yet, please consider writing a review, just like Ken and Miggy did for Born the Battle on Apple Podcasts. Doing so does help us climb higher in the algorithms, giving more veterans a better opportunity to discover Born the Battle. They can listen to the testimonies of their fellow veterans, how they overcame their challenges, listen to the benefits breakdown episodes so they can learn more about the VA, and they can also hear what's most recently in the VA with our news releases. It's also the best way for me to communicate with you. You leave a review, I respond. Good times. Press releases, we have just one this week. And it says, for immediate release, the Department of Veterans Affairs published a final rule in the Federal Register, February 2nd, amending VA's procedures for reporting debt to consumer reporting agencies. These revisions change VA's minimum requirements for reporting debt. 
This rule also provides opportunity for relief and helps veterans experiencing financial hardship. This is especially important now that the department has resumed debt collection activities as of this last October. These changes will result in a 99% reduction in unfavorable debt reported to consumer reporting agencies, which is a good thing for those veterans. If, if you qualify, that your credit won't be dinged. Under these new amendments, VA will not report to CRAs until all available collection efforts are exhausted and the specified debt becomes classified as not collectible. Additionally, the department will not report debts owed by veterans determined to be catastrophically disabled and entitled to VA's cost-free health care due to low income. Previously, roughly 530,000 allowable VA debts were reported annually to credit reporting agencies, resulting in approximately 60,000 delinquent VA debts being referred to credit reporting agencies each year. And just think about cutting 99% of that off. Relief options will continue for veterans still experiencing financial distress. Enhanced relief options include repayment plans, waivers, and temporary hardship suspensions. We also have a full benefits breakdown on the VA Debt Management Center in our archives. Definitely check that out if you are in any kind of debt with the VA. And again, we have a full breakdown of the VA Debt Management Center in our archives on Born the Battle. Please, if you're in debt with the VA, please check that out. Get to know the, the Marine and the Army veteran that, that run that center. VA will also continue to report any debt incurred by individuals who have committed fraud, misrepresentation, or bad faith. Veterans and beneficiaries with questions regarding overpayments of benefits may reference frequently asked questions at www.va.gov forward slash manage hyphen VA hyphen debt. They can also call 1-800-827-0648. For questions about medical and pharmacy copayment debt, Veterans can contact the Health Resource Center at 1-866-400-1238 or go to va.gov forward slash community care forward slash revenue hyphen ops forward slash copays.asp. All right. This week's guest is a Marine Corps veteran. She is also still in the Marine Corps as an active reservist, which is a Marine reservist who can be activated for years at a time. It's a unique transition option that I don't think many veterans know about. She has also competed in pageants, winning her first title as America's Miss in 2011. She's also a former Miss Delaware Collegiate, Miss Puerto Rico Collegiate, and Miss Florida International. She is pursuing her journalism and mass communication degree from the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism at Arizona State University. Again, my alma mater. And she has hosted shows for After Buzz TV and Press Pass LA, already interviewing numerous celebrities such as Kerry Washington, Tia Mowry, Joe Montana, Patrick Renna, and Pat Sajak. She is Marine veteran Alyssa Acosta Malone. Enjoy. A little different being on the other side of the interview, huh? Yeah, I was actually excited about this. So I was like, I don't have to worry about coming up with the questions. I have like all my note cards and everything that I had everywhere. So I, I'm doing three interview, four interviews actually today, not including you. So four where I'm like asking the questions. Yeah. So, which is funny because I actually interviewed Murph today. So um, I'm excited that like your episode is going to come out with him because especially since he was just on the season three of Tough as Nails. Yeah. By the time your episode has dropped, which it, I mean, if you're watching it, it has, uh, you can go back in the archives and, and take a listen to Murph's uh, really good interview there. So, sure. um, I don't think people understand when you do interviews, how much prep work actually goes into it. 
I'm so glad that you brought that up because I was literally saying the same thing to uh, like my mom and my mom's boyfriend, my boyfriend, just about um, like you, like I showed you all my no cards. I practice in the mirror. I practice when I'm in my car. I have to pay for like hair and makeup. I have to find outfits to wear. I have to get in studio. Then I have to pay somebody to edit it. So it, it's definitely for like a two minute clip. It probably yeah. cost me about like $700. Yeah. Yeah. My wife's always telling me, she's like, you have two, it's the same colored shirt. You need to change your colored shirt. So I'm like, okay. Right. Um, <laughs> well, first of all, congrats on your new gig with Press Pass LA. Um, Thank you. Is Press Pass LA where you, where you did the interview with the Reverend Warriors? Because I'm doing the hike this weekend. Now. Are you going? Yes, I will. I'm excited that you're going. I can meet you in person. Yay. Right. No, right. Um, that was just something that I had done. Uh, Matt Johnson, who's one of the coordinators of the DC hike, he had reached out to me because he saw that I do journalism through um, At Ease, the magazine for like Quantico, Fort Baltimore, Fort Meade. And I also did um, a couple of articles for the base newspaper as well. So he wanted to know if I could kind of do some press for them to put out about it. And I was like, hey, I'm going to actually be in studio doing other interviews. So that was just something where I could put up like the Reverend Warriors logo up there and talk yeah. to them so that they could post in like the social media and things like that. So Yeah, it looked really nice, really clean. Where are you going for your studio? Do you have to travel to D.C.? Where, where are you going to do all that? It's actually in Sterling. So one of my good friends, she's a former Mrs. District of Columbia. She actually does her show there called the Jet Set TV and they travel to different places talking about like flying, some of the rules and regulations, the do's and don'ts, what to look for, just all encompassing flying. Um, So I asked her, I was like, hey, I'm interested in working at a studio. Where do you have that? So I reached out to um, her producer there and she was like, yeah, you can come on in. So I just think it's a lot of times if I can't do it through Zoom, if I can do it in the studio, it looks a lot more professional. And plus having like my own camera person. So this time she wasn't available on Friday. And the two people I interviewed today, their episodes aired this week. Worst was on Wednesday. The girl from Grey's Anatomy's was yesterday. So as you know, in this industry, nobody cares if something happened a, a year and a half ago. Like it's about <laughs> like what happened in that moment. So I was like, hey, we got to get these out there. So it's been working pretty good so far. So I'm excited about it. Especially in the in the genre that you're in, especially in the genre that you're in. But um, we'll, we'll get into all that uh, soon enough. But again, everything in Born in the Battle, before we get into your, that part of your career, we always go way back to the first decision you decided to join the military. Uh, Alyssa, when was that for you? Well, I joined back in 2004, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that my brother, he is now a Marine veteran. Don't say way back. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) A couple years ago in 2004. (laughs) I know. I can't believe it's been, it's almost 2022. I felt like it was just 2019. So 20. Uh, 2004 seems like forever ago, but so my brother actually was going to college in 2001. And then when the twin towers and everywhere else that was attacked that day, he decided to leave college, join the Marine Corps about a week and a half after 9-11. So he was in the Marine Corps as an Intel um, analyst. And I saw that the difference that it made in him, I grew up in Delaware and there just wasn't really anything for me in Delaware. I figured I would probably go to college and stay in Delaware. And I, there's nothing wrong with that for some people that want that. But for myself, I just wanted to step outside my comfort zone. So when I actually told him, Hey, I talked to the Marine Corps recruiter, he was like, 
turn around and go talk to the Air Force recruiter. You're not joining the Marine Corps. Like, I do not want that for you. <laughs> that was like, I, I think I really kind of joined. Like, I went to MAPS. And um, interesting story about that is I actually went to the recruiting station because uh, my boyfriend at the time, he was a Marine. I just got back from boot camp. And I went there looking for him. And the recruiter is like, he's not here right now. Yes. However, <laughs> why don't you just try to take this test and see how well you do? And I'm like, okay, my brother's a Marine. This is something like, okay, I, I've been thinking about, like, let's see yeah. how this goes. And I did really well on the ASVAB. So he was like, well, like, let's, let's take you to MEPS and get you cleared. So I got cleared like the next day. So on Monday. I, still, still not knowing where your boyfriend is. You're like. Definitely like dodged a bullet there. Like he and I broke up shortly after it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, but anyway, so Monday I had gone to the recruiting station Tuesday. I was at, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. I went to maps on Friday night of the same week. The recruiter calls me and he says, Hey, one of the females dropped out. I need to replace her with another female that's going to be an administrator like yourself. Can you go to boot camp on Monday? And I was like, okay, sure. Like, I didn't really think that I was going to do it, but I was just yeah. like, okay, like, let's do this. So I told my family and they were like, what? Like, you're going to boot camp over the weekend? And I said, yeah, pretty much. So it seemed like a good idea up until the <laughs> fact that I said goodbye to my family and got on the bus. Yeah. I had no idea what I was. I really had no intention like earlier in my like some people were like, I've wanted to be a Marine since I was three years old. No, that was not the case for me. So yeah. I really didn't know what I was getting into. And I got to boot camp. And let me tell you, it was a rude awakening. The, sure. the whole not sleeping, not eating. Back then, it really wasn't about cell phones or social media. So I wasn't really missing out much there. But it was definitely different for me. I'm glad that I just went through it once. Yeah, MySpace just came around at that time. So yeah, yeah. social media, not a thing. Um now you're, you're reservist. It's funny that you said administrator. That was my first MOS. And then it's funny that you said Intel analyst, cause that was what I was in Iraq. And then we both came into a combat camera. You went into public affairs, but that wasn't your active MOS. Was it? Is that you, you were an administrator and then you got out into, in the reserve units, right? Yes. So I joined as an administrator just because I didn't really know what else to do. And I asked my recruiter about that and he said, well, females usually do administrators. Like now thinking about that, I was like, oh, wow. So only females could be administrators, but wow. I just didn't know what to do. So I was like, okay, sure. Admin, like how hard could it be? Yeah. I haven't really done too much admin in my Marine Corps career. Like I've worked in like the command deck, like working with the generals and the colonels, like doing their administration, but I've never worked in like an IPAC or anything like that. So Luckily, that was the case because I just do not like admin whatsoever. I am public yeah. affairs or now Comstrat all the way. So, yeah, public affairs, combat camera, dirty word nowadays. No, I, I was I did administration my first year. I, it's funny you talk about it because I worked in a, in an IPAC for a, not very long, and then I went to an S one and then a G one. So it's it's funny how that's similar. Um, while you were on active duty, though, either give me a best friend or your greatest mentor. Oh, I have like so many, I feel like, well, uh, growing up in the ranks, um, I did not at first, I, I, I think, like I said, back then it was kind of a little bit different. Nowadays, I could tell you like five or six, 
Um, growing up, I think in the in the ranks, I would definitely say it would have to be my brother. Luckily for the both of us, he got stationed in Okinawa and then I got stationed there. So we were both part of the same unit, just on different bases. So wow. a lot of times I would run things by him. And it was it was so funny because, you know, wearing camis, we were both had the same last name. So when people would see us together, they're like, I didn't know you were married. And I was married, like, yeah. I'm not. That's my brother. <laughs> and I remember his sergeant major being like, that's your sister. So you're brother and sister and you're both stationed in the same unit in the Marine Corps in Japan. It blew people's minds. Yeah. And I am just so grateful that he was there because he was like my home away from home. Cause I had never been outside the U S before outside of like being Puerto Rico, which is technically part of the United States. Um, so, but I am so lucky that I really like as a sergeant, uh, that's when I started getting mentors and there was just a lot of stuff that I wish that I had known back then, like having an, I love me book, we're keeping like all your awards and your records all together. Cause I think back then, like my mom had some of my stuff. I had some of my stuff, some stuff was in storage. Like I didn't know to put everything in one place that I would need it for the future. So it's little things like that, that I wish I had had growing up in the ranks. Yeah, no, it's man, super unique that you get to, to experience the Marine Corps with your brother in that way. Um, that, that's that blows my mind too, and I, you know it's crazy. Um, well, why did you decide to get out then? And and how long did you were you active? I was active for seven and a half years, and uh, the monitor, who now is a good friend of mine, um, he, I was the sergeant at the time. He was a gunnery sergeant. He was the NCO monitor for administrators. And he told me, I was stationed in DC at the time, and he had told me either you go to an INI or you're like, are going to have to get out because I have nothing else besides an INI. And I really didn't want to go to an INI. I had talked to a couple of Marines that had been stationed there before, and they just really didn't like it. They were like, it's sometimes it can be boring, or sometimes it's just like a lot of stuff. Like you never have free time. Yeah. And I was going to school at the time. So I wanted to be able to do my schoolwork on top of like, obviously working in the Marine Corps. So I was like, okay, fine. Like, I'll just get out. I'm a Marine. I live in the DC area. Like everybody's a Marine here or at least military. So I just jobs, that sort of thing. Right. So like USA jobs or like just who, you know, networking. So I was like, okay, whatever. I'm going to get out. So I still had my, uh, my, my IRR time. So I still made sure that I transitioned to the reserve just in case I wanted to come back into the Marine Corps. And then I did my drills, not the one week at a month, but I would do like a couple of days here, a couple of days there. So before I got off of active duty, I went to headquarters Marine Corps public affairs, which is at the Pentagon. And I talked to a major there who was willing to bring me on as a reservist to work with them because that's really what I had wanted to get into. Yeah. And I did that. And then it was pretty cool. When I first got off of active duty, it was like, yeah, I can sleep in and I can watch my shows and I can catch up on, you know, family time and all this stuff that I missed while I was in the Marine Corps. And then two weeks went by and I thought, okay, I don't feel like I'm on leave anymore. I just feel like this is super weird. I have to actually figure out what to wear every single day. <laughs> I don't, I'm not putting on jammies. I don't, I'm like, I, I remember that I had gotten a job um, with this guy that was a co- contractor and he actually was a Marine veteran. Yeah. And I was supposed to be working at the Marsh Center in Virginia as an administrator. Didn't really want to do that, but I thought like, hey, it's a job. And I remember going to the mall and I probably spent like five or six hours looking for clothes. And at the end of that time, I had like one suit and a blouse. That's all I had because either I didn't like anything 
or like it didn't fit me or I just wasn't happy with it or it just wasn't appropriate for the job. And I was like, man, I really miss just wearing my cam. Like you really don't know what you have until it's no longer there. So I ended up not taking that job because he actually told me not to tell my new boss that I was still in the Marine Corps Reserve. So I would have to do my couple days a month at the Pentagon. And he was like, oh, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Don't tell them about it. And that just didn't sit well with me because I didn't want to be dishonest and say, oh, by the way, like, I know you hired me and tomorrow I need to have off. So that yeah. didn't work out. So I applied for USA jobs and I got a an email that they wanted to bring me on to work. I think it was like the department of surgeon general or something like that, working as an administrator doing DTS. And I had done a lot of that right before I had gotten off of active duty. So I go into the interview and it, it turns out that the three people that were interviewing me were retired army colonels. So when I went in there, they're like, yeah, we love Marines. We love your ethic. We just love how you are working and just how you're so disciplined. We we can't say that we want to bring you on, but we want to bring you on. So I'm like, okay, cool, awesome. I'm going to be working with other military people. So it won't make me miss the Marine Corps as much because even though they're soldiers, it's still the military. Sure. So like two months went by and I didn't hear anything. And I'm like, is is that something that's normal that I don't hear? I was like, maybe they decided not to go with me after all. So about a week after that, I got a call from HR saying, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, we forgot to tell you that you were hired for the job because the people that wanted to hire me, they they told HR and HR dropped the ball. So the colonel called me and she's like, I don't understand why you didn't want the job. Like, you seemed like you really liked it. And I said, yeah, I did want it. But I thought you guys didn't want to go with me because nobody wow. ever called me. So I was like, okay, I'll take the job. And then just going through the paperwork and thinking about the experience, how they had dropped the ball so much. I was like, you know what? I want to go back to the Marine Corps. I, I don't want to like deal with this in the civilian world. And, so. And so that's one of the one. So that's one of the main white reasons I wanted to talk to you is because this unique military transition, you know, I've only heard about these gigs from one other Marine when I was at the Pentagon. And I was like, how are you a reservist and still like on active duty orders? It's some sort of like, quasi reserve ninja ship that I've only seen a couple of times um, where you go on active duty for, for certain billets uh, for those that may be interested in that are looking at that as a potential avenue of transition, describe what sort of like individual reserve type of thing that you do. So I didn't really know that something like that existed when I first decided to get off of active duty. Like not many do. Had, not many do. Nobody had shared that with me. Even in like my TAPS and TAMS class, like they, nobody really had told me, hey, there's still opportunities for you to be on active duty as a reservist. And honestly, I don't remember who told me about it. But if you go to the Marforez website and go to Global Billets, they have things on there either for you to do like the one week in a month, two weeks a year, or they have something what's called ADOS orders and it's active duty operational support orders. And what that does is basically your reservist that's activated. So as uh, an activated reservist, you basically get all the same things that you would if you were actually on regular active duty. So you go to that website and it has a list of everything that you need to know. So it'll tell you what rank they're looking for. That'll tell you where it is. So say they were looking for like a gunnery sergeant on Camp Lejeune. So it would say E7, um, Camp Lejeune, what the unit is. So it might be like Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune. 
And then it will tell you exactly like what the job is for. So if it's for, let's say like a supply chief, it'll say supply chief, and then it'll tell you the requirements. So um, it might say something like, we're looking for somebody to be on orders for 180 days, and there's a possibility that we could extend you. Or we're only looking for somebody to be on orders for 60 days, and you're going to be assisting X, Y, and Z, things like that. Um, and then there's also this thing called a 1095, which I'm still trying to figure that whole thing out. There's a lot of calculations that go into it, but basically it's like you, they calculate time that you're on order. So you can't be on orders for more than 1,095 days because then you'd have to get a waiver. And now that we're not heavily overseas anymore, it's yeah. hard to get the waivers for you to stay on active duty. So you Is have that to- continuously? You can't be over 1,000 something continuously? The usual thing for me is kind of like, that's what I thought, but it also takes into account, like if you come off orders, it takes things off. So I'm pretty sure, and don't quote me on this because I'm still talking to my administration sure. asking them because it was very confusing for me. Like, do I have to be on orders for three years? And then if I come off, so it's a certain period. So if I was off for a year, that doesn't necessarily mean that I get that year back. It's within a certain like weird period that they explained to me that I'm like, I have no idea like what that means. But as long as you guys are tracking it and can tell me how much more time I have to be on orders. And even down at Mar4Res, a lot of them are active duty. They're not reservists. So it's really weird that they handle a lot of like the activations for the reservists because they don't, when you call them and ask them, hey, I have a question about this. They really can't tell you because a lot of them are like sergeants and below and they're not reservists. So they haven't been in that world before. So um, luckily for me, like my administration, they explained it to me. I don't want to like tell anybody wrong on here, but I just know that there's like a period and depending on like how long you've been off orders, how long you've been off, that's when you get close to a 1095. Uh, shoot me the, uh, the Mar4 res site so we can put it on your blog on when we put your episode out on blogs.va.gov and we'll we'll put that in the additional links. Um, super interesting. I've, again, I've only seen it one other time. Do you know if any of the other services do this or is this just for the Marine Corps? You have to be a Marine Corps service. I honestly don't know. I'm assuming they might have something. Actually, you know what? I take that back. Um, Now that you say that. So my boyfriend, he is in the Army. He was – I'm kind of confused about how everything works in the Army because it's different in the Marines. But he was active guard and he got like activated to be active duty. So they mobilized him from his um, home state on the West Coast to work in Virginia um, as a soldier there. So they do have something where like he was considered active duty full time. He got his full benefits and things like that. I just don't know how the process really works or if they have a website or you have to go through your reserve unit. But at least in the Army, they do have something like that. We'll do our best to do the research and and, and put those links in there in the blog as well if, if we can find them. But I, it's funny how you were like, uh, I don't know. Oh, wait, my boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Similar. Um, that's funny. Uh, okay. So when you're not in uniform, you have a completely separate career. We've kind of alluded to it uh, earlier. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, INI stations, that's, you know, to clear that up for anybody that doesn't know what that is, it's like active duty in the reserve units. It's kind of a, a thing in the Marine Corps. Right. They're the ones that do like the funerals. They do a lot for Choice for Tots, things like yeah. that. Admin supply, all those mm-hmm. ones that are in every consistently in every unit. So that's kind of what she was talking about. Um, okay. So when you're not in uniform, you have a completely separate career, uh, kind of what I do. But with some red carpet folks, um, you've done stuff with After Buzz TV. You're again, you're now with Press Pass LA. Kind of reminds me of some Entertainment Tonight type of stuff, uh, but fleshed out a little more. How did you get in this career path for yourself? 
Well, funny enough, it actually came from an Air Force. Actually, she was active duty at the time. She wasn't a veteran. But one of my good friends, her name is Anna. Um, I met her through the pageant world because I used to compete in pageants years ago. And she was having a launch. She started her own makeup line. Um, I think it was called like inked or something like that. And she had her like kind of like the grand opening for her business at a lounge in DC. And when I went there, I think I went there with my mom. I really wanted to support her. She's a fellow service member. And when I went there, she had two ladies there and they were doing like red carpet interviews. And I thought like, huh, that's really cool. Like I would like to do interviews. So I actually reached out to them and said, I would love to work with you guys. How do I make this happen? Like I'm fine being with an intern. I don't have to get paid. I just am interested in doing You just want a foot in the door. Right. Because I knew I like being in the Marine Corps, I did not like admin whatsoever. I knew it's not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So I started working with them, did some blog stuff. I would set up interviews for myself, but at the time they did not have a videographer. So I had to pay for a videographer to do all my interviews and it got like very expensive. And so I would do that here and there, but then I would work with them just writing blog stuff. Yeah. So when I got stationed in California and I was, I'm still going to the Walter Cronkite school, as you know, cause you went there with Arizona state university, yeah. I have to do an internship and I had wanted to do it anyway, because in the Marine Corps, I like you, you know, if you're in Okinawa or overseas, you see like the AFN. So you see like the Marines or whoever that's on there. That's basically like, and today in Marine Corps news, you know, I had never done that. I had never gotten the experience or somebody telling me like, Hey, this is how you read a teleprompter or whatever. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take it upon myself to do it myself. So, um, I had gone on Instagram. I started following a lot of people in LA and I saw a lot of people were talking about after buzz TV Had never heard about it. But it is run by Maria Menounos and her husband. As you see, like Maria Menounos is like a host. She's sometimes she'll fill in for Kelly Ripa on Live with Kelly and Ryan. Okay. Um, she's been on a lot of stuff. So she basically wanted to have a venue for up and coming hosts to basically go there, get experience and be able to host their own shows. Okay. So I worked there as an intern. I applied to be a host. I had to audition. I probably recorded my audition tape like a million times. They picked me and I was so excited. I was like, finally, I'm going to get to be in studio. They have all the producers, like everything is set up for you. You're going to get some support. Yes. So they have like the mics, they have like the different studios. They do the backdrop. They record everything live. It goes to YouTube. A lot of the times they set up their own guests. I was like, this is perfect. This is like everything that I want. And that was literally like a week before COVID happened. So I never got to actually go in the studio and do interviews there. I was doing everything via home on Zoom. So I was like everybody else. (laughs) Exactly. I was like, man, this like kind of really sucks. Like right before this happened is when they picked me. And now I was so excited to go. And at the time I was stationed in San Diego. So I was driving from San Diego to Los Angeles. And I remember when I was on active duty, I would be at work at like 0630. I would get off around like 17, 1730. I would change out of camis, get into civilian attire, and I would drive like the two hours in traffic to go up there to doing like hosting workshops, my internship. Cause I was like, I need to make this happen. Yeah. So I was, you found found something you're passionate about. You found some fire. right? And I mean, like, 
I always tell people like just an example, because I'm Puerto Rican and Jennifer Lopez is as well. So like her work ethic, as far as when she first started in the business, um, I think she had like gotten kicked out of her parents' home or something like that. Like she was waitressing and now look where she is. Like she's performed at the Super Bowl. Like she's just done a million crazy things that is like so awesome, but she started from the bottom and she, I just admire her because she has done so much to get where she's at because of her. So for me, I think I appreciate it so much more because I had to work for it. They didn't just automatically say, Alyssa, you're going to be a host. No, I had to audition for it. I had to intern there. I had to get like letters of recommendation from my teachers at school. Yeah. So um, I'm really good about like getting people to interview. So I reached out to a ton of people and I would say, hey, I'm Alyssa with uh, After Buzz TV. I would love to interview your talents. So I would work with the publicist. So um, all the individual interviews that you see of me on Afterbus TV, that was everything that I set up that had nothing wow. to do with them like doing that. Of course, I had to run it through them, but it was everything I set up on my by myself because I wanted to get the interview. So if somebody wasn't going to give it to me, I was going to do it on my own. Um, for you, for you, what's the best way to 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 lock in an interview? Is it to work through a publicist? Is it to find them directly through social media? Do you use a big mixture of both LinkedIn? How do you do it? I feel like a lot of people use Instagram. The bad thing about Instagram is though, if you're not friends, it doesn't automatically like tell them that they have a message from you. So yeah, it gets put on that general side. Right. And then, you know, like say, you know, I was wanting to interview Jennifer Lopez and I sent her a message. She probably has like 60,000 unread messages from fans that are like, oh my gosh, like what's going on with you and Ben Affleck? I can't believe you and Alex broke up. And that was so awesome what you did the Super Bowl. You know, it's like she doesn't have time to weed through like 60,000, you know? So for me, um, if they have like their email on their Instagram, I will send them an email and tell them who I am and who I'm working with and what I would like to do, or if there's somebody else that I could reach out to. Um, A lot of times I will still message them on Instagram. And sometimes instead of it just saying like sent or seen, it'll sometimes it actually has like the words on there of what you first started with the sentence. So I'll put interview requests so that when they're going through, they'll see that it's like, okay, it's not just somebody that absolutely loves me and just wants to tell me that it's somebody that wants to interview me. So I'll put interview requests and I'll say, Hey, I'm Alyssa with Press Pass LA or After Buzz TV. I would love to interview you about, um, like the person I just interviewed is Melissa Dupre. Yeah. She's one of the upcoming stars on Grey's Anatomy. She was with them last season. Now she's like shown heavily more this season. So we just message back and forth. And it's also a good like segment for you to be able to network them with them in the future. Because we before we start the interview, her and I have like some one-on-one time where I talk to her about like, it's so cool that you're on the show. We're both Puerto Rican. And yeah. then afterwards, of course, as well. So she follows me on Instagram. We have each other's email addresses. She invited me to go to lunch with her when I'm in Los Angeles. Like, it's right. just so cool that you have that one-on-one time and, and she feels that I'm genuine and I'm real and I appreciate it. Yeah. So I have people that ask me all the time, how do you get interviews? Is that something that somebody sets up? And I'm like, absolutely not. I have a platform that I use like Press Pass LA. That's something that I use so that people aren't like, who is this Joe Smo person that just yeah. wants to like put me on a blog that only five people read? Because some people, like you'll get some of the celebrities that are like, eh, unless you're like Good Morning America or Access Hollywood, they're not interested. Then you'll yeah. get the other ones that are like, I just want to do an interview. Like you're a Marine, you're Puerto Rican. I served in the Marines forever ago, or my great, great uncle was a Marine and he got a purple heart. Like that's something that let's like, do it. Let's do the right. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Good go. Um, so 
like most of the entertainment industry, are you freelancing for some of this? Are, are you staffed with benefits? How does a type of career, this type of career in the community that you're in work for the most part? Well, a lot of times people will start off as interns. So like with Afterbus TV, I had to get college credit for that, which worked out in my favor as well, because I needed to have an internship to like get my degree. So yeah. for them, it's like, hey, like you help us, you know, do stuff around the studio. You learn something. So it's like a win win for both ends. Um, for Press Pass LA, I so with Afterbus TV, after the pandemic, about three months after, they completely shut down. So they might have like one season, two seasons, um, because they had producers in the studio. And obviously because of COVID, they moved to a different location, but then they wanted the producers to also be able to spend time with their families and it was stressful for a lot of people. Yeah. So they basically just shut down and unless you were writing just like articles for them, they weren't doing interviews. So I said, well, I don't want like two years to go by without me doing interviews. Like I want to be able to get like more experience. So I had reached out to Press Pass LA and I said, this is what I'm doing. This is what I would like to do. Um, are you interested in talking to me about it? And the lady said, yes. And she said, like, we always can use more content for the website. It's awesome that you're such a go-getter and you're getting these own interviews for yourself. So basically, I'm using Press Pass LA as a platform for me to reach out to people and say, this, you know, I'm with Good Morning America. I'm with Access Hollywood. I'm with Press Pass LA. Exactly. So they're more open to doing an interview with me if I'm actually with like an organization. And, you Department know, I of Veterans you- Affairs, yeah, same thing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So just like with you, you know, a lot of veterans, you know, like some upcoming ones that you have, they see that you're a veteran and it's for the VA. They're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I would love mm-hmm. to share like my insight with people and things that can help them out and stuff like that. So email and, and Instagram is, is, is the best ways you're doing it. That's good to know. Um, as long awesome. as your email is good, you know, you don't I, they say talking about it in TAPS class where you don't want to have like. Uh, my next door neighbor sucks or whatever at gmail.com. You know, you want to have like <laughs> your first thought last or, and I say that because like, you know, back in the AOL days, you know, my, one of my friends, his, I'll never forget this. Cause I was like, what is wrong with you? His, um, AOL was count was something like, um, my nose itches 14 or something like that. <laughs> and I'm like, that's definitely not professional. Like nobody's going to take you seriously. If you have an email like that, you know, like back then it worked. Now it doesn't. So, so what you're saying is, my my Mr. T underscore T is not at Hotmail. I mean, if somebody thinks it's hilarious and they're like, hey, this guy is like, I, I, I was something I would do back in the day. Yeah, no. Like, you want to make sure it's a professional email. If you could even have an email um, like from the organization, yeah. like, you know, if I worked Absolutely. at Good Morning America and it was like Alyssa at ABC.com, you know, I think people would be more like um, willing to actually like check your email because it's coming from like a reputable place. It catches the eye. Definitely catches the eye. I've been trying to get my interns for uh, at va.gov for a while. And it just, it's been, we still have the Gmail. We still have the Gmail. Um, (laughs) So give me, give me something that people don't really realize other than the research that you have to do uh, when being an interview person, being a host, something that they may never even consider that you didn't really realize until you actually started this career. Well, like you said, the outside of the the research is definitely like a big thing. Like I think I showed you before, like I have all my note cards and everything like that. So that when I am talking to them, if I need to look down or something to remember something or kind of move it to a different sentence, I definitely do that. Um, at least for me, I know for guys, it might be different, but for me, it's like doing the hair. Like today I just threw up in a bun, but doing the makeup, getting like the outfits, 
You know, I'm a big believer of just going to Target. Like, got this at Target for 30 bucks. Love it. We'll definitely wear it again. Um, TJ Maxx, Marshalls. Like, you don't have to spend like $50 on an an outfit. Like, the person that you're interviewing, they don't care what outfit you're wearing. You know, it's like, they might, like, the girl I interviewed today, she was like, oh, I love your outfit, which is great. But if she hated it, I'm still going to wear it. You know, it's like, you have to, like, have, like, some nice clothes for, you know, an interview. So Be presentable. You're still going to be presentable. Yeah. So you don't want to just be like, oh, let me see what I have hanging in my closet, which could be great if you actually have something nice. But for me, it's um, just, you know, the research, it's making sure that like you look presentable, you want somebody to take you seriously. If I came here and it's not about wearing makeup because I could do an interview without makeup. But if my hair was like disheveled and I was wearing like an off the shoulder shirt and I was just like chilling in the interview, you know, people aren't going to take you seriously. It unless doesn't I'm like off professional. In- Right. Unless I'm interviewing like a surfer on the beach and I'm like trying to look the role or whatever, you know? Um, So that I would say is like a big part because I was telling my mom the other day, I said, people don't understand how expensive this can be for a two minute interview. It might cost me like $600 just because right now. So you, you asked about freelance. So kind of I'm doing freelance. She talked about that personally on, 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 on some of this stuff. Right. It's, it's for me. Um, I did talk to her about it cause my producer is great. And she said like, I do want to pay you. And I said, I like, that would be great. I said, but if, however, if you can't like right now for me, it's just about getting the experience, putting it out there. But if we could talk about, you know, me getting paid just, you know, for doing some episodes, that would be great too. Just because, um, I am using a studio in this area here. Sometimes I'll be through zoom if I can't use the studio, but yeah. the zoo, the studio, it cost me a couple hundred dollars to be there for like half a day. So I try to knock out as many interviews as I can. Um, like I said, the clothes, uh, paying for if somebody does my makeup, um, just like everything that's like the people don't see paying for somebody to edit the film that costs as well. So you're in the, you're in the part where you're paying for people to edit, you're paying for stuff to get on your resume. You're, you're paying for your studio costs, all this stuff. What is your goal? What, what would be like a dream gig or event for you to host or, or a show you'd like to interview folks on? Like, where do you want to be? I would love to be on Good Morning America, a platform like that, or maybe something like CNN. As far as like the entertainment size, maybe something like Access Hollywood, Entertainment Tonight. I just love talking to people. And it's not just about like, hi, Jennifer Anderson, what are you wearing? Like, do do people really even care nowadays what somebody's wearing? Like, oh, this is Oscar de la Renta. Okay, that's great. But like, talk to me about like your new show and why it's so important for X, Y, and Z. You know, it's just like, I think gone are the days. Like, it's nice to know what you're wearing, but at the end of the day, it's like, do I really care what you're wearing? I no, no. I, and I think for me, when I, when I do interviews like this, I think sometimes for me personally, it's about, did I just hear something from you that I've never heard in any other interview? Did mm-hmm. I get, get an exclusive? Did I get that? Um, is there something that you and I have talked and you, you re- I ask you a question, you respond to, it and I instantly get, yeah, I'm going to use that. I'm so going to use that for, for the promo. Um, that to me, I didn't really realize how much I was going to miss that when I left the Marine Corps. Cause I was doing interviews for when I was a combat camera. And then I went to, I went to my civilian career and I was an editor. I missed the part where I actually got to produce the piece and I, and I actually missed the interview and I didn't realize how much I was going to miss that. So I definitely identify with you in, in that. And to that, like, I want to say, somebody told me that the other day, they said, you have to, like, I think she said something about it's like 80% talking and, 
or I'm sorry, 20% talking and 80% listening. Yes. Because like the example I brought about Jennifer Aniston, everybody knows her from friends and everything else that she's done because she's done so many things. And now she's on the morning show doing that with Reese Witherspoon. So say I'm on the red carpet with her and I'm interviewing her. And I said, Hey Jen, like, nice to see you. Like what's going on? Like, why are you here at the Grammys tonight? And she's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm looking around for Brad Pitt. Like we just got engaged and I found out I'm pregnant and if I'm like, oh, okay, that's great. And I move on. I just missed like a big story. <laughs> like you're telling me that you and Brad Pitt, which is none of this is true. For those that are like listening, yeah. I don't want yeah. you to be like, hey, what's going on? And, like none of this is true. I'm just saying if he were to tell me that, you know, that's a huge exclusive. So I could be like, okay, wait, what? So you and Brad Pitt, like you guys are back together. When did he propose? Like, let me see the ring. Like yeah. if you're pregnant, like how far along are you? Like, is he excited? Are you excited? Are you guys like living together? Together. Like that's so you basically are going off. So doing the research is great. And I ask the questions. But if they go left field like that, like everything that I want to ask them is out the window. It's about the oh, baby yeah. and the engagement and everything else that comes with that. So be completely ready to be adaptable. You yes. know, based based on the story that comes to you too. Absolutely. That's a good, really good point. Hello, Marine Corps. Adapt and overcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alyssa, what's what's one thing that you learned during your time in the military? that you apply to what you do today in your civilian career? Just being a go-getter, like in the Marine yeah. Corps, you know. You sound like a grinder. Me. You sound like a grinder. I, I try to be because, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, it's, and you know, a lot of people tell me that. And I have a lot of people like my friends or just people that I don't even know, they'll reach out to me and they're like, how do you do this? Like you're always posting pictures with celebrities and you're interviewing them and you're doing X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, yeah, because I did that. I am making things happen for myself, just like in the Marine Corps. Nobody's going to promote me to the rank of Sergeant Major. I'm going to make that happen because of like just everything that I've done, my fitness reports and like PFT, CFT, just making things happen. That's how it's going to get me like even farther. So for me, I could say, okay, I have to pay for the studio. Then I have to pay for somebody to do my makeup. Then I have to find like outfits. You know what? It's just too much. If I don't get paid, I'm not doing it. No, because then people will realize when I tell them, hey, I've done so much to get here. I started from the bottom and now I'm here. It sounds like a cliche, but it's really true. True. Um, I did so much to like make this happen. And I'm interviewing like a lot of celebrities that like if I hadn't like asked, because like all you can do is ask. And honestly, I probably if I reach out to, let's say, 25, I might hear back from five people. And you know what? That's that's still five more than that's still five more than the person that didn't reach out to anybody. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And, you know, on my Instagram, I do have that I'm a Marine and I do have that I'm Puerto Rican because I'm very proud of both of those. And I do have that I'm a host with Press Pass LA. So a lot of times people like Melissa Dupre, she's Puerto Rican. I'm Puerto Rican. She goes on my site and she's like, she's a fellow Puerto Rican. I want to interview with her. Um, People identify with tribes. They identify with their their tribes. It's good that you do that. A lot of people... Um, like I said before, they might have a great uncle that was in Marine Corps or like a sister that's a Marine. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. Like I have so much admiration for the Marine Corps and what you all do. Um, so I never like say anything on behalf of the Marine Corps, like never do that. They just know that I'm a Marine. So, um, you know, if I interview a Marine, we might talk about their service and I can identify with that. Um, but it's just stuff like I'm just kicking down doors and trying to make things happen. And if they don't want to do it, that's fine. I move on to somebody else. It's your tribe. You're, you know, you're, you're identifying your tribe. You let, you let people know what your tribe is. And it's, it's almost like primal when it, when it comes to that type of stuff. And like you, like to your point about the career, like, yeah, you're always going to have supporters. You're always going to have mentors. You're going to have people behind you and, and never forget that. But 
nobody is, and I think it's so important to realize that nobody's going to take, nobody's going to care more about more your career than, than you than are. You. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. Has there been a veteran in the veteran community whom you've worked with or a veteran nonprofit that you've had an experience with that you'd like to mention? Well, I think we talked a little bit about it offline, about irreverent warriors. I actually found out about them. They're a nonprofit that does silky hikes and other events to not really bring awareness to veteran suicide because we already know that it's out there, but to help yeah. prevent it by just being there for each other, doing hikes, building that network so that the, the good thing about them is there's a Facebook group of irreverent warriors. And if I or anybody at any time were to post I'm just not doing good. I'm not suicidal, but I need help. Or even if you are suicidal, like you post that in there, you will get like within seconds, like 50, yes. 75 people, like, here's my number, check your inbox, call me. Like I'm here. Do you need me to come over? Where are you located? It's just a great organization that I found out about back in April. Um, one of my fellow Marines, he had told me about it. Never really heard about a Reverend Warriors. I had known about Silky Hikes, but I didn't know about the specific uh, organization. Yeah. Went to a hike and I was hooked. It, I, one thing that I love about them, that it's just veterans. So if you're like a patriotic supporter or a family member, you can volunteer, but you can't hike. So even if you come to the hike by yourself and you're a veteran, it doesn't matter that you don't know anybody because the person next to you is going to say, hey, Tanner, where are you from? What branch were you in? When did you serve? Oh, I was in the Marine Corps. I served from this time to this time. I was public affairs. Oh, really? I'm a Marine. I was in public affairs. Pretty cool. Like, let's connect. Let's like follow each other on Instagram. Yeah. So I feel like that's just, especially because the past two years with COVID and like things going on with mental health, I feel like it's so needed to be there for each other and to have that network and support that. And it's, it's not even like people think a hike and they're like, oh, I don't want to have to like, you know, put on the boots. You don't have to put on the boots. We're we're not walking fast. It, yeah. Mostly it's just about the networking, talking to each other, getting you out. It, it really, I truly do believe that it helps save lives. I think so too. It's, it, it's, I went on the DC hike before this, this one that we're, by the time this comes out, it's going to be already over, but um, that, you know, I'm, I'm excited to go back out again. It's been a couple of years. Um, we interviewed the the president of Reverend Warriors and, and the CEO again in our archives on Born the Battle, if you check it out, really great conversation about what they do. Um, good stuff. Uh, Alyssa, we've covered a lot of ground. Is there anything, anything, and think about who listens to these uh, that I've missed or haven't asked, or is there a parting shot that you'd like to share before we go? Well, I know for me, I've gone through like the Taps and Tams class probably like four times because every time I'm on active duty and I drop to the reserves, I have to go do it again. So for me, I just say network because you never know who is going to be in that room. Like say you and I are in the class together and you just go to the class because it's just required, but you already have a job because your family is, um, I don't know, like you own your own tire business and I'm talking to you and I'm like, Oh, I really love like working with cars. Like I'm really good at this. And you're like, well, Hey, my family owns a tire business and we supply all the tires for Mercedes Benz, convertibles or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, Hey, like, where are you moving to New York? Oh, great. I'm from New York. Like you need a job. Like, it's just about the networking because like, I feel just being in the military alone, like, yes, it will get people to notice you, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get the job. Cause I feel like sometimes there's a stigma around people feel like, Oh, you're a Marine. Do you have like mental health issues? Like it's, it's just a lot of the, I, I feel like it's going a little bit away now and yes. it's not just the Marine Corps. I think it's like the services wide. 
Um, but just like network, like, you know, just talk to people, like ask people in your chain of command, like if they have any connections, like use the resources. Like with my unit, we have a transition coordinator. She helps with like resumes and LinkedIn, all these other things. I had a Marine the other day tell me like, I had no idea that there was more than one way of doing a resume. I had no idea there were so many different formats out there and it blew her mind and she loved it. So you never know like what you're going to find out if you don't ask, like use these resources, like go to the education center, find out what resources they have. Talk to your transition coordinator, talk to your family readiness officer, just talk to people about what you want to do when you get out. And they might be like, Hey, you know what? We had a Marine that was here and they just got out of the Marine Corps and his family owned a business or he started his own business and he's looking for Marines. It might not be something you're interested in, but at least it gets you a job until you finish school or find what else you're going to do. So I'd also say, like, don't feel sorry for yourself. Like, I kind of felt that way when I didn't get the USA jobs, which technically I did. I just didn't know about it. And I was just like, I'm a Marine. Why don't you guys want to hire me? You know, it's just like nobody owes you anything. Like, you have to go out there and prove yourself. So even though I was in the military, that doesn't necessarily guarantee me that I'm going to get the job. Love it. Nuggets from Alyssa. Appreciate (laughs) you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Uh, And until next time, we are out. Y'all have a good one. There are nearly 2 million women veterans who served and deserve the best care anywhere. At each VA medical center nationwide, a women veterans program manager is available to advise, advocate, and coordinate care for women veterans. Women veterans who are interested in receiving care at VA should call the Women Veterans Call Center at 855-VA-WOMEN or contact the nearest VA Medical Center and ask for the Women Veterans Program Manager. I want to thank Alyssa for coming on and sharing her story. You can find her on Instagram where she does most of her booking. This week's Born the Battle Veteran of the Week is by way of the palmcoastobserver.com. Shortly after the attack on Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941, Edmund J. Bianco decided to enlist in the United States Army. He entered active duty on June 1st, 1943, and later took part in the invasion of Normandy. He was injured in northern France and was awarded an honorable discharge on June 4th, 1945. Afterward, he returned home to New York and became a lawyer. He moved to Palm Coast in 1967. His wife, Catherine, died in October of 92, 50 years to the day after they were married. D. Bianco later adopted three children and supported them through college. On February 1st of this year, D. Bianco celebrated his 106th birthday, and it was noted that his salute was as sharp as ever. Army veteran Edmund J. D. Bianco, thank you for your service. That's it for this week's episode. If you yourself would like to nominate a future Born the Battle Veteran of the Week so we can all learn their story, you can. Just send an email to podcast at va.gov, include a short write-up, and let us know why you'd like to see him or her as the Born the Battle Veteran of the Week. And if you like this podcast episode, hit the subscribe button. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Facebook, on the VA's Facebook, pretty much any podcatching app on a phone, computer, tablet, or man. For more stories on veterans and veteran benefits, check out our website, blogs.va.gov, and follow the VA on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, RallyPoint, LinkedIn, DEPT Vet Affairs, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. No matter the social media, you can always find us with that blue check mark. 
And as always, I'm reminded by people smarter than me to remind you that the Department of Veterans Affairs does not endorse or officially sanction any entities that may be discussed in this podcast, nor any media products or services they may provide. I say that because the song you're hearing now is called Machine Gunner, which is courtesy of the nonprofit Operation Song, and was written by Marine veteran Mark Milkilhenny, Nashville songwriter Jason Seaver, and Michael Duncan. Have a great day. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you right here next week. Take care. We gotta get them one way or the other. Machine gunner. bullets fly to my brain. Simplify till we're done another campaign. My desk is a rock where the drug lords cut up millions. My pen is a 7.62 round that'll cut them down in an instant. Made bullet in my bag Raining down lead Punching that clock Get them boys, I'm laying down Cover machine gunner Bullets fly day and night rain Simplify, do or die Another campaign Here we go, lock and load 0331, lug a thousand rounds And I ain't bringing back one I go to equine therapy, which is working with horses, and I have really bad anxiety, so working around horses has really improved that, and it's a program that I do in Virginia, and it has just blown my mind. Like The horse that I work with, I work with him every single time, and I think it's so amazing. I literally call him my horse, and when I'm not with him, I feel like he is like my emotional support horse, which mm. I mean... Nowadays, people have anything for an emotional support animal, but I just think it's there's so many great programs out there for veterans that you don't even know that you don't know. And yeah. somebody at my unit just happened to talk to me about this. And I was like, I am so in and I have loved it. I've been there since April. And when I leave the state, I'm probably going to go through withdrawals because I'm going to miss my horse that much. I literally have a picture of him on my phone as my backdrop. Oh, wow. What, what does he do for you? What do you do for him? What does he do for you? So basically they mimic your emotions. So if I'm having like a really crazy day and I'm really stressed out and I'm huffing and puffing, he's probably going to be a little bit more anxious and he's not going to want to like do what I'm telling him to do. But if I'm around him and I'm calm, he's going to be calm. If I pick up my energy and I start like running, he's going to follow me and he's going to start running. So basically horses feed off of your energy. So however you're feeling that day, that's how they're going to feel. But honestly, for me, it's just not even about riding him because it's great to ride. I love to ride. But at the end of the day, just grooming him, just like brushing him and combing his hair. That's so therapeutic for me. And I don't even realize it until I leave. But when I'm doing that, I don't think about anything else. I don't think about the bad day I had. I don't think about like the stress of work and going to school and the homework that I waited till last minute to do. It's just I'm there and I'm in the moment. And that's the purpose of it. It's just for even if for that short period, you're just there, you're serene and you're just like being with the horse and nothing else matters.